Welcome to the Bravo Papers, a safe space for all us Bravo fans who love to analyze, deconstruct, and talk about our favorite Bravo shows ad nauseum. There's no such thing as overanalyzing or reading too much into your favorite Bravo shows and Bravo celebrities here. So join me, Bravo and Botox, as I find the depth amongst the shallow. Patreon, Merry Christmas Eve, because you're getting this day early. I mean, if you're listening, I guess, on those days, but, you know, if you're listening later, then I guess it's irrelevant. So there's that. All right. Are we ready? I think we're ready. We're ready for this Richard's Sisters Part 3. I get more questions. Hang on. I have to move my mic for a second. I get more questions, more requests for Richard Sisters content than I do for anything else. Probably because Beverly Hills is like the highest rated show, so there's just more people that watch it, so there's that. But I also think it's because, I mean, their drama is just so good. I mean, it's just so good. So, listen... I know that you've all been waiting, some patiently, many impatiently. (laughs) However, I'm here to bring you part three. So first of all, the reason it takes so long is because, like I said, I got a rewatch and that takes a long time, especially right now, because there are like five gajillion Bravo shows on. Like you have to think about how much TV I'm watching every week, guys. I'm not like the rest of you that you might just be able to watch one here and there. I'm watching all of them, okay? I've got Real Housewives of Miami. I've got uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the new ones. You know, I've got Southern Charm. I've got Winter House. um, Married to Medicine. Real Housewives of Potomac. That's five. And I don't even watch the Below Decks. Imagine I watch the Below Decks. That's why I don't watch them. Because, like, there just is no time. Um, but that being said, I kind of do watch them because my husband watches them. So I do catch quite a bit. I got my husband into uh, into Winter House. So he watched that whole season with me. The only reason he was willing was because there was Below Deck people on it. <laughs> he was like, what the fuck is with this Danielle girl? And I was like, yeah, I know. She's, she's got problems. Okay. Um, anyways, I have all that. I have a full-time job. Okay. I have a daughter. I have a husband who's, you know, sometimes kind of like a kid. There's a lot going on. As my daughter said the other day, I'm the one in charge in the house. So, you know, the boss has a lot to do. Okay. So before we even get into the Richard sisters, please rate, review, and subscribe. And since I know there's probably a lot of people who maybe don't listen on the regular listening because this is a Richard sisters episode, please join my Patreon if you'd like to support me. Um, You know, and if you want to get some extra episodes and, you know, episodes like these, like the deep dives will come out a day early. Um, 
you know, I, if you like discussion of Beverly Hills, I pretty much talk about it every week <laughs> on the Patreon because Kyle is always driving me crazy, as she does. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash bravo and Botox. Or if you just don't want to listen to anything, but you just want to support me, that's a good way to do it. You can also support me through buymeacoffee.com uh, slash bravo and Botox. That's another way to support your content creators, those who have those accounts. Um, so yeah, let's jump right in. So before we get to season one, okay, so what I'm basically doing is I'm going to do, you know, like go through the seasons that have the dynamics of the sisters. And sorry, it's really early in the morning. I'm recording this at like freaking what time? It's like 7.30 a.m. So you're going to have to listen to me drinking my tea. That's just, that's the payment for this special episode that I am recording at 7.45 a.m. on Christmas Eve. See the things I do for all of you? All right. So <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. I love you all. Um, so yeah, before we even get into season one and going through the season, I'm not going to go through all the seasons today because I took notes on season one and, and season two, most of season two, and there are six pages. Okay. And I've gotten to the point in podcasting where I can kind of tell like by the amount of pages, how long it's going to be. Cause I know how long I am. So yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. So it's going to be pretty long just with, you know, season one and a little bit of season two. So yeah, we will get into, you know, more of season two and season three on the next one. So this might end up being like a 15 part thing, which I think everyone is down with because, you know, it's what it's what the people want. Because, you know, and I think I was thinking about it. Why are we so enamored with these sisters? Besides the fact that they've, obvi the obvious, they've showed us their lives on TV for a long time. So what is it that makes them, because there's lots of people who've shown us their lives. There's something about sibling issues that I think basically almost everyone can connect to. And I think only children... I have to move my chair for a sec, everyone. Sorry. I think only children can kind of connect too. Because they almost like, maybe like wish they had a sibling or they're just, or even if they don't wish they had a sibling, they're just more like, oh, damn, look at what it's like to have siblings. So I think everyone just has that connection. I think it's why, like, although we're all like goddamn sick of, Teresa and Melissa. It's kind of why like we've been so interested in like Teresa and her brother over the years. Like, yes, it's gotten to like, you know, at this point we're over it. But I also think the reason we're over it with them is because they, they've shared a lot more. Whereas the thing with like Kyle, Kim and Kathy is like, they're so secretive and they do share. I'm not saying they don't share anything. We've seen lots of drama with them on, on the show. But they do still, despite all that, a lot is swept under the rug and a lot is carefully curated. So 
we're often just looking for those little like snippets and tidbits and we have to read between the lines because unlike Teresa and Joe and Melissa who just flat out say what they mean and sometimes it's like really cruel these women like they don't do that they do things like Kathy when she looks at Kyle and goes Kyle Kyle you know with those eyes in the scene with the two of them and Rena. Like, there's, like, this unspokenness that just makes them so fascinating. And it's and it's because they're, like, you know, I don't know. They're just, like, that's how they were raised. That's their family dynamic. And it is, it, it makes it all that much more interesting for us as the viewers. Because we get to, like, we get to guess, you know, we get to... I don't know. We get to like read the clues and stuff. Listen, it's early guys. So just give me a sec here. So yeah, let's get into it now. I just, I just had that thought about like, why do we all, I didn't even plan that. It just came to my head now. Like, why do we even, why are we so interested in this? Okay. Also, you know, they're rich. There's that. And they're like, you know, a, a lot of us, like, I think from my age group, and older, like if you're like, you know, 40 plus, you kind of have some memory of like Kim and Kyle in, in, in shows and stuff. So, and then there's just like the fascination of the Hilton aspect too. So that's obviously something that, you know, it's like America's version of like the Royal family in a way, like they're not, but you know, it's like the same thing with people being fascinated with the Kardashians. Okay. So before we start season one, I saw Kyle Richards recently in an interview and she, okay, so she gets this question a lot about like, I think it's just one of those like standard PR questions. So she gets this question a lot about like how she ended up on the show, her and Kim, etc. And there was a very recent one. I don't know if it was from BravoCon. It was sometime between BravoCon and now, so it was very recent. But I've heard her say this before, and it always catches my, it just makes my antennas go up. Like a little like, huh. Because they ask her like, you know, why did it, basically, why did you and Kim end up on the show and not Kathy? Because now we've kind of, I always assumed, I think a lot of us assumed before we ever knew anything about Kathy, that, you know, she's just part of this like Hilton family and she just wouldn't be a part of reality TV in the way that Kim and Kyle would be. Like, she's almost, like, too highbrow for that. I think a lot of people maybe thought that. And I'm talking, like, 12 years ago when the show started, thought that. I'm not talking, like, last week. Obviously, now we know differently. But that was my assumption, like, 10 years ago. So now, obviously, it's like, okay... Kathy does have a propensity for <laughs> reality TV. She's clearly down with it. And she clearly, now we know, encourages Paris. And I think has always kind of wanted Paris to be a star. Um, you know, much like her mother kind of wanted her and her sisters to be stars. So it's like, why wasn't Kathy on the show from the jump? So Kyle basically has, this is the story Kyle has said 
in basically every time she's been asked this question. And I'm going to tell you why I believe it not at all. She has said that, you know, okay, so she was approached first to like make this show and they didn't know what it was going to be. And, you know, there was a possibility that it could be like a show about just the three of them or I don't know, something like that. So I don't remember the long story, but there is a whole longer backstory. But basically what she says, the short version, is that they didn't want all three sisters on Beverly Hills because they felt that it would be too, quote unquote, sister heavy. So they just went with Kyle and Kim. I, I just have trouble believing that. Like, that they would be like, no, thanks, we're good, we don't want Kathy Hilton. We don't want Paris Hilton's mother. And this was like, you know, and Paris Hilton was as big then as she is now. When the show started, I mean. Like, that just makes no sense to me. That, so, Kathy wanted to be on the show and they didn't want her like that's basically what kyle says which it just doesn't make sense because i'm thinking like if kathy wanted to be on the show she'd be on the show like i just think she'd be on it i understand now it's different because now it's become like kyle's show I, there's a part of me that thinks okay so this is what i think might have had have happened is that maybe Kyle and I could see Kyle doing this little Kyle Kyle might have just told them that Kathy doesn't want to do it and then she might have told Kathy that they don't want her because they don't want it to be too sister heavy I don't know I could just see that <laughs> Like, I could see that Kyle was, like, you know, the main person and she was, like, strapped in to do the show, all that kind of stuff, right? And that, you know, she was kind of, like, the middle person. And I could just see her doing that. Again, this is all just projection and guessing. Not projection, but this is all just me guessing. But I just, I don't know. I really think that I could see her being, like, listen, if I can only choose one sister... It's going to be the fucked up one who is an addict and has less money than me and is less successful than me. I'm not going to choose the one that knows how to put on a persona for reality TV, is going to be very like controlled and is going to only show the, the nice and the quirky stuff and whatever. I'm going to show the one who's a mess so that I look like the better one and the more successful one. Like... I'm not going to, I don't want, like, would Kyle want to compete with, like, Paris Hilton's mom when this show first came out? No. So I could just see her being, like, you know, having this story of, like, oh, well, there could only be two of us. So, you know, and Kathy didn't want to, like, telling, you know, telling the producers Kathy didn't want to do it or whatever, or, like, spinning it in some way so that it ended up being her and Kim. And maybe that wasn't the way it was spun, but just there was, I think something happened that Kyle was able to get her way. 
so that it was just her and Kim. Because I could see the producers like wanting, if anything, <clears throat> maybe wanting Kyle and Kathy because they didn't know that Kim was going to be such a mess and that, you know, like they didn't know all that. Like she ended up being amazing on the show, but we didn't know what she was going to be. So anyways. OK, that was my little preamble. So let's start with season one. Um, basically, you know, season one, episode one is like a lot of introductory kind of stuff. So I'm going right. I'm, I really just picked out the stuff that I thought was significant and that had some value to it in terms of like analysis. So I'm not like, you know, there won't be mention of like every single scene that Kyle and uh, Kim are in. But episode two, Kyle calls Kim, uh, wants her to attend Easter says, you know, it's a very important holiday to them. And Kyle then complains that Kim still hasn't found a house. Um, you know, says, they'll, you know, Kim says they'll get back to looking for it after the long weekend. And basically they all head to Palm Springs. It's a family tradition. They've been doing it since they were little girls. And they invite Lisa and Ken, Lisa Vanderpump and Ken. And Kim is bothered by this. So, of course, like, first thing, Kyle calls her and she's on her ass. Like, this is the thing. Having Kim on the show gives Kyle the ability to play the mommy role and to play the stronger, more in-charge sister. Right? So as soon as Kyle, and here's the thing, I think Kyle was most herself seasons one and two. And then I think that, I mean, I think she was always a little fake for the cameras because, you know, I think everyone is. But I think that she was, became increasingly fake once she kind of learned how to play the game a little better. And once she saw audience reactions. So especially after seasons one and two, there was a lot of audience like, what's it called? Um, backlash against Kyle. You know, the way she like kind of mean girled against Brandy in season two, the way she's kind of like, you know, always bitching at Kim. I think she learned how to like turn that down a notch and be more passive about it so that she could get away with it more. But in this first season, it comes out pretty, <laughs> it comes out aggressively. So she's straight up on her about like not finding a house. And then, but Kim is on the other hand, you know, Kim's not perfect either. She's bothered that Lisa and Ken are there because it's supposed to be family time. So again, like we see this kind of dynamic of like Kim and Kathy are much more concerned about family time and they have that much more like kind of Teresa Judice, um point of view of like, you know, it's all about the family. You don't go against the family. And I think Kyle's a little bit more like Melissa Gorga-ish in that she's more like, you know, my family, I don't always feel my family is there for me and they can be toxic. So I do hold my friendships very close to the chest. Now, I'm not saying either of those perceptions is wrong or right. I can kind of understand both of them. But given 
especially with the Richards, given like their family history and stuff, I lean a little bit more towards Kathy and Kim. And in terms of like, they just, they have, they've been through so much. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, we'll come back to that. So, all right, where was I? Oh yeah. So Kim in one of these interviews says she wants to be her kid's friend, not just a mom. <laughs> Which I thought that was interesting, like an interesting little insight into Kim. Like Kim, you can tell Kim is very like emotionally immature. And I think in some ways it's endearing because she's almost like, you know, she has this like childlike imagination almost. Um, you know, the way she like loves turtles and like stuff like that. She's just got this little like this like childlike aspect to her. And it I think it could have been because she didn't get a chance to mature fully because of her childhood as an actress. Like she almost kind of got stunted a little bit. Um, but you know, she's like a fucked up child. I don't know how else to say it. That sounds really rude, but I don't mean it as a rude thing. I just mean she's like a kid with problems. And I can see why she wants to be her kid's friends. Like Kim is just, Kim just wants to be loved so bad. Kim is just so, like, wants to be part of, like, a family, and she just wants unconditional love so badly. I think that comes from, like, her childhood with her mom, like, dangling her career as a sort of, like, a carrot that, you know, you'll get my love if you can get to the carrot, and you get to the carrot by booking lots of acting jobs. So, like, there was a condition to the love, and I think that's one of the reasons that Kim has so many kids, because she knows, like, you get you get unconditional love from your kids. And then as your kids get older, they tend to move away from you. Because they want to be more independent, etc., right? And I think that's why, that's why Kim is moving to the, like, trying to be friends with her kids. Because she wants to be... She doesn't want them to move away from her in any way. And I, and it does, I don't think it comes from like a malicious controlling place. I think it comes from like Kim just needing something that she didn't get as a child. Um, but I can understand how it can be hard for her kids and for maybe people around her because it's, you know, it can be a lot and it could lead you, you know, you shouldn't be your kid's friend. Like you're their friend in that you're their like loved one, but you also, you know, your main role is their parent. So I can see how, you know, that kind of makes it easy for Kyle to come in and make judgments, right? Because Kyle's not like that. Okay, so they go to this house in Palm Springs and um, the house was their mom's vacation home, but it is now Kyle and Mauricio's. Okay, so we'll get into that later. They get there. Kyle's complaining the house isn't clean enough, especially because um, LVP is coming and Kim's daughter, Whitney, is upset and offended because she was doing the cleaning. And she's like, you know, Aunt Kyle's complaining and I, I was doing a lot of cleaning. And then Kim makes a comment that they parent, quote unquote, very differently. Um, but Kyle's like, Kyle's being annoying at this part because... Because LVP and Ken are coming. Like, she's, like, in a tizzy. You know, she's acting like <clears throat> the Queen of England is coming. 
<laughs> which I guess in some ways LVP, like LVP has that energy. Like she's like larger than life, right? Um, and she's very nervous about dinner because she's cooking, she says, because she's cooking for them and for Ken and Lisa. Um, in Kim's confessional, she's like, okay, this is a lot. So there's definitely some unspoken body language between Kyle and Mo as well in reference to LVP and Ken and how it's a big deal. They keep making eyes at each other, like kind of like business deal. And this is like, you know, Mo and Kyle are social climbing. And <clears throat> if you remember, like when the show first started, like Mo was successful to a point. He was not where he is now. And he was, you could tell, like they were a duo. Kyle wanted to be able to have the same level of wealth and success or closer to what Kathy has. And she wants to be able to buy like 9,000 Birkin bags. And, you know, and Mo wants to be a successful businessman. They both had to have the same goal. I think that's what like kind of kept them together for so long. Um, And they're both just like in a tizzy about LVP. Whereas Kim is like, kind of like, who cares? Right? So again, this is kind of like the first appearance of just a difference in philosophy, like Kyle cares so much about like impressing people and putting on like a show for her rich friends. Whereas Kim is more, Kim is more about family and I just want to be with family. So they have a different viewpoint. No, I'm not saying Kyle doesn't want to be with family. You can want both things. Okay. Cause I don't want to make this all like Kyle sucks. Although Kyle does suck. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I had someone in my comments, so I did like some Beverly Hills Twitter roundups and somebody was like, is this a Kyle hate page? And I was like, you must be new here. Here's the thing, though, is despite the Kyle, Kyle sucks and she annoys me. She annoys me to no end. Because she does suck. She's an asshole. She really is. However, I do think that Kim and Kyle are asshole or Kim and Kathy are assholes, too. I just they're more entertaining assholes. Because they have, they also have this goofy, weird side. So, and Kyle doesn't have that. Kyle's just an asshole who's also, like, kind of vanilla. <laughs> Whereas Kim and Kathy are, like, these, like, unique flavors with, like, lots of surprises hidden behind every layer. You know what I mean? That's why I get annoyed with Kyle. Because I actually see Kyle's side on a lot of things. And, like, when it comes to her and her sisters, like, I don't think it's all her fault. But I do think some of it is her fault. <laughs> but there's, a, trust me, there's plenty of blame to go around with these three. Um, so Kim and Kyle go grocery shopping. Kyle says they see everything differently. So we have a very, like, you know, older sister versus younger sister, right? Um, Kim says she's not that comfortable in social situations. This is after LVP and Ken come in. So here's the other thing. I think that Kim has an issue making friends and maintaining friendships, which we see this throughout the series. I also think that Kyle, Kyle's kind of like the sister who's like the cool sister. Like Kyle, to me, of the three sisters is the most, if we're just talking about societal norms, she is the most normal. She would fit in with like, like I could see her being like one of the cool girls and like sitting at the mean girls table or whatever and fitting in. And Kim and, Ka and Kathy 
you know, take away Kathy's money and status and Hilton being the more like kind of awkward, you know, maybe not like fitting in as easily because of their quirks and they are a little weird. And, and no, I am not oversimplifying Kathy Hilton. I know she's like, she can be a monster underneath and has this dark side, but I don't think that makes her weird side any less true. I do think she's still weird. And I think Kyle kind of knows like her sisters wouldn't fit in with her friend group. It's like Kyle's like friends with like the cool girls and she knows her sisters don't fit in, but she can't just ice them out because they're her sisters. Like that's a real thing. Like, me and my sister are very different. I have an older sister. We're just, we're just very different. Like, I don't think that she, like, she could get along with all my friends and, like, chit-chat and have small talk, which she did, like, at my wedding, etc. And, you know, we didn't have any of these issues, certainly. But, you know, would she, like, is she interested in the same stuff as all of us? Would she want to come out with us? She wouldn't, to be honest, because she's just different. Now, the problem, though, is that I uh, Kim, Kyle, and Kathy are such a tight-knit, or they want to be such a tight-knit little team, especially since their mother passed. And that's where you get a lot of the conflict, right? And then you have the addiction layer. Okay, so... Kim says she's not that comfortable in social situations, um, you know, and then LVP even makes a comment like Kim can get really defensive when you get close to her. I think that's just LVP's interpretation, obviously, but I think she means like, you know, Kim like maybe makes it harder to get close to her because I, I do think that Kim has trouble just making friends. I think it's just as simple as that. She's one of those people. So Kim and Kyle bicker about the quality of the food in front of LVP. Um, You know, Kyle, as she does with her sisters, kind of throws Kim under the bus and is like, she made me buy fake butter. And then they fight about organic butter, which somehow leads to Kyle thinking Kim is saying she's skinnier because she doesn't buy fake butter, which Kim never says that. Kyle says it. So I don't know. It's like they have this little bickering in front of LVP and it's just like, it's so stupid. But it's like, it's like Kyle, she does, she picks. She pick, 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 picks. Like it would drive me fucking crazy. Like, honestly, I see why they fight so much. Like Kim's, Kim's got a place in it too. Cause Kim needs to like stop complaining. And Kim also needs to realize that It's okay for your sister to have friends. And like, just because you're insecure about friends doesn't mean Kyle has to be. That being said, Kyle's constantly picking. And I feel like some of it is because I think, I think Kyle is worried that her friends are going to judge her sister. And I think she's so insecure about that, that she does like a preemptive strike by pointing out the weird things her sisters do before her friends can do it. But what she does is just she just draws more attention to it. She did that with Kathy and Aspen, and she certainly does it with Kim. Like, she should just not say anything about the groceries. Just fucking put the groceries away and move on with life. But Kyle's like those people who's like, like someone who like might have an insecurity about like their weight and they might call themselves fat in order to like 
you know, be like, okay, I'm going to call myself this before the mean girls can call it to me. Like, that's what Kyle's doing. I also think Kyle thinks that everyone notices all the stuff that her and her sisters do a lot more that they do than they do. Like, people are, people live in their own world. They're thinking about themselves more than they're thinking about you. All right. So it's Easter lunch and LVP shows up with a $1,000 chocolate bunny. Um, you know, and then Kyle, and here we go. Kyle comments about how everything Lisa does is so fabulous and perfect and the best, you know, and again, like you can tell Kyle wants to be on the level of LVP and some of her rich friends. And I really think that she kind of sees that maybe her social climbing might get interrupted by Kim's weirdness and the fact that Kim doesn't care about that. Kim more just cares about, like, having a close family because she's kind of starving for love, unconditional love. So it's Whitney's 20th birthday. Um, fast forwarding a little, because, again, I skipped over stuff, too. I only, we're only talking about the Richard sisters, nothing else. Um, so it's Whitney's 20th birthday. Whitney is uh, Kim's daughter, if you didn't know. And they go for a spa day. And Kim is upset at the spa day because she says Whitney wants to go back to Houston with her father and has friends there as well. Um, Kim basically is looking for Kyle's support in saying that Whitney shouldn't go, but Kyle doesn't agree and says, if it's just for the summer, like, why shouldn't she go? You know, Kim says she's worried it'll end up being permanent and says, quote unquote, this is a time when we all need to stick together. So I'm not sure what that means. Um, maybe it's just like, Kim is going through a hard time. I'm not sure. Kim says she would like Kyle to have her back in a confessional and that she doesn't have it on this. And then and then says um, Kyle never sees her side when it comes to family things and she needs the support of her family. That's what Kim says. So Kim is pretty like straightforward about what she needs in her confessionals. Is she straightforward to Kyle? I'm not sure. I don't see it on camera, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. But, you know, I'm kind of torn on this because I think that Kyle is, she's allowed to have a different opinion. So if she thinks that Whitney is okay to go for the summer and that it's not going to turn permanent, you know, she doesn't, like, she is the type of mom who's maybe more okay with her kids, like, having a summer away, let's say. Or maybe, but then on the other side, I I could see that it's just like, you're my sister. I need some backup because my kid is doing something. So can you just back me up? Like, if my sister asked that of me, I would do it. Like, I would just back her up with her kid just to help her. Um, but, you know, that being said, I also understand why Kyle's like, this is your 20-year-old daughter. She needs some independence. But again, Kim is speaking out of fear. Like, this is the, this is like, she's, she's not being rational in the sense because she's speaking out of the fear of abandonment, which is, it's going to become permanent. Like, I mean, I don't know, maybe that could happen, but it seems like Whitney is pretty reassured that it's going to be fine. So I don't know. But then, okay, so here's where Kyle kind of loses me because I could see Kyle's side in this, but then Kyle says in a confessional, 
She says, Kim's girls come to her because Kim makes really bad choices. That is probably true. I don't think she should have said that (laughs) in the confessional because Kim's going to watch this back. Or maybe she's not. What the hell do I know? Because then I remember saying Kim like doesn't watch the show that much. But I just think that's a bad thing to say. It's episode two. (laughs) And you're really painting a picture of your sister that is like this irresponsible, you know, scatterbrain mom who's and it kind of like it makes it seem like Kim's a bad mom so I don't know I just feel like Kyle is like this is early into filming the first season and she's already kind of like painting a picture of Kim that is not a, a nice one so Kim says Kyle gets between her and her girl so she has a different perspective um And, you know, and then Kyle says Kim is too codependent on her kids. Kim gets very offended by this. And, you know, she wants to talk, but Kyle's like, not now. And then Kim is like, well, you're always too busy to talk these days. And Kyle says, you always do this when we're having fun. So I get the impression here that Kyle doesn't want to have this full-fledged argument with her sister on camera. Um, I also get the impression from this that Kim is not getting what she needs in terms of like a relationship from Kyle like Kyle's too busy for her it's and we see this all we've seen this on the show right we've seen this with Kyle and Kathy later too right Kathy says like you know I can't get in touch with you that just seems like it it is what it is okay so I got interrupted there sorry if there's a weird transition here Um, my daughter got up and wanted, uh, to see what was in the advent calendar. (laughs) Okay. So Kim, oh, sorry, Kyle, Kyle cites basically that she promised her mom that she would take care of the whole family, not just Kim, but her kids too. So obviously that's because of Kim's addiction issues, which at this point the audience doesn't know about. So, yeah, it's, I just get the impression from the jump that Kyle wants to tell everyone that Kim's an addict. And because, like, it's a storyline, first of all, that makes someone else look bad and not her, um, but that she can still be involved in. And it's actually, like, for her, probably her favorite type of storyline because she gets to be the hero who's trying to help the broken sister. Because it's funny, like, right away she says that. We're like, season one, episode two. Um, so it's like, when you say that, it's giving a hint to the audience that for some reason, Kim cannot care herself and her own children. So why is that? So Kyle then goes to Kim's daughter, Brooke, to bitch about Kim and says, you know, she gets that she doesn't have a husband or grandma to talk to. Um, You know, Brooke interjects and says Kim's too uh, codependent. Kyle agrees, says she's in a no-win situation. You know, 
it's funny because like Kyle was kind of annoyed that Kim wanted to talk about this, but now Kyle's going to her child to bitch about this. Like who's dragging it out now? So like, listen, I'm not saying like they're right that Kim is codependent. That is correct. But like, do you need to go bitch about it to Brooke now? Like at the spa birthday party when you just said you don't want to talk about it? So again, it's like Kyle, you know, kind of, Kyle only wants to talk about it with someone who's going to agree with her. That's why she doesn't want to talk to Kim about it. So she goes to Brooke. And, it, and you know, it is shitty to like go to Kim's kids, but I guess they probably put up with a lot that we don't see. Um, and they probably do go to Kyle a lot because their mom's an addict and that's a difficult thing to deal with for children, especially. Um, so Kyle brings up like the whole Houston thing while they're having manicures and says to Whitney, like, you'll for sure come back. Right. And Whitney's like, yeah, for sure. Then Kim says in her confessional, Kyle's not the parent. They're not her kids. Um, and loyalty between sisters is knowing that the other one will be behind you no matter what. So first or maybe third actually already mention of Kyle not being loyal. That seems to be the theme from Kathy and Kim. They feel Kyle's not loyal. Kyle feels that they are trying to control her. That's really like the the root of a lot of their conflict. Um to be honest, like from watching this and rewatching it, Kyle kind of does cause the conflict in the manicure situation. She brings it up. She antagonizes it, calls Kim on being afraid to be alone before Kim and Whitney have really even had the chance to talk. And then it, and then it turns into a big fight. Um, you know, and then Kyle makes a joke that she's going to send Whitney a tweet. And Kim gets really annoyed and is like, you're sending messages behind my back in front of me, which is like, okay. And then Whitney's like, can we just drop it? And then the scene ends. So it's like, even in this situation, it's like Kim is like not in the cool girl group. <laughs> like that's Kim's insecurity. Like that's not all like Whit like Whitney and Kyle's fault. But it's just funny how like no matter who Kyle's around, it turns into like, let's talk about what's wrong with my sister slash your mother. You know what I mean? And and I do see why that makes Kim feel insecure and defensive. Like, these are her children. So, oh, oh God. So that's, that's not good. Like, so Kyle, she does antagonize it. Kim also needs to calm down and is a little codependent. I guess I have more forgiveness with Kim because Kim's is coming from a place of insecurity and, you know, addiction and wounds. Kyle seems to be coming more from a place of like trying to be something bigger than what she is and trying to be in charge. And so it's just like, the intentions do matter in this case. Intentions don't always matter, but in this case, they do kind of matter. So season one, episode three, there's a girl's lunch. And I noted that Kim is getting set up with a guy. 
And Kyle's like, he needs our stamp of approval. Um, and that Kim's past choices in men have been bad. And Kim looks really bothered by this. Looks at Kyle and is like, I've been fine by myself. And Camille gives Kim praise for being by herself. And, and Kim looks really happy. All it took to make Kim happy was a little one positive comment. I really think that that's what she's lacking with her relationship with Kyle. And even just like Kyle saying, like, your past choices in men have been bad. Like, it's like, that might be true. But what about your choices, Kyle? Are you one to talk? You ended up getting divorced from your ex. And, you know, and Mauricio cheats on you left, right and center. So maybe you shouldn't be so judgy. <laughs> Um, and, you know, from what we've read in House of Hilton, it doesn't seem like Kim had much choice in a lot of her exes because they were sort of controlled and chosen by Big Kathy. So, I mean, like, let's give Kim a little grace here. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was interesting because Kim is so happy when Camille gives her praise for being independent. But I do think that, like, Kyle cannot fathom, you know... At this point, she can now, but I think at this point, I don't think Kyle can fathom, like, being happy without a man. I really, I really think that that's part of it. So season one, episode four, Kim finds a house. And she literally says, like, in her confessional, even though Kyle doubts me sometimes, I am capable of making my own decisions. Okay, so this is a big thing with addiction to an addicts that I wanted to speak to. So... One thing is that when it comes to dealing with somebody who has addictions, even if you think that they cannot do something or that they can't be trusted to do something and you may be correct about that in a lot of cases, you shouldn't say it to them um, because it makes like the message that Kim gets from Kyle is you are not a responsible, smart enough, together enough adult to do things for yourself. So every time Kyle makes these little picks and jabs, that's the message that Kim gets. Whether Kyle really intends that is besides the point. That's the message Kim is getting. Okay, so like Kim is like, I can find a house. I know you think I'm this irresponsible alcoholic, but I can find a house right? And look, I found one, right? So all these little things of like, all these little nitpicky things that Kyle might see them as like, I'm just trying to help my sister make the right choices and do the right things because sometimes her judgment is um, compromised by drugs and alcohol. Like Kim is going to take that in the wrong way. And although Kim is the addict, at the end of the day, an addict can only get help when they want to get help picking at them and all that, that doesn't actually help. It actually drives addicts to use more. So I did some reading on basically how to deal with an addict in your family. Um, from a psychiatrist who also has a daughter who is an addict and was in a really bad place, like selling her body with an abusive boyfriend at one point, like, you know, like the worst of the worst. Right. And that's one thing that she says, like, when you say like, 
to them, you know, these little picky things, that's what they internalize and they're actually more likely to go use. Now, I'm not here, though, to judge that Kyle doesn't know that because I think a lot of people don't know that and a lot of people don't bother to learn how to properly speak to addicts and deal with addiction until they are personally affected by it. Okay, so now here's where I can't give Kyle grace is that she is personally affected by it. And the way that she deals with addiction with her sister, and I'm talking like the way she deals with alcoholism and the discussions of substances to this day in 2023 is very problematic. And I like there's only like I understand like Kyle doesn't read maybe (laughs) like she couldn't finish the fucking Los Angeles time or whatever that article was about Erica Jane. She was like, oh, it's too long. I can't read that. Um, So there's a part of me that's like, okay, I guess Kyle doesn't read. But I mean, like there's audible. Like, I don't know. Like it's just like one of the first things that I did when I dealt with this in my family was like go through all the emotions and do everything wrong that you're not supposed to do when you have an addict in the family, but then read a book, addict in the family, and, and was reading tons of things. You know, there's books, there's support groups. Like, I just like, maybe she has, I don't know, but I haven't seen Kyle really take any initiative. Like, she's very Sheena Shay. Like, when Sheena was married to Shay, she dealt with alcoholism in the most wrong possible way. And Sheena's was even was worse in many ways. You know, and Sheena, I have a little bit more forgiveness for because Sheena is so dumb. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think Kyle is like Einstein, but Kyle's smarter than Sheena in my perception. Um, but I but I guess Kyle and Sheena kind of have something in common. Like they're both so self-involved. It's like it wouldn't even occur to either of them to like pick up a fucking book and figure out how to approach this and how to see from the other person's perspective and how to come at it in an empathetic way um, and and in turn a way that's actually going to be the most helpful to them reaching recovery. Because at the end of the day, you cannot... An addict cannot go to recovery until they want to do it, no matter how, like, they might fall really fucking hard before they do it. There's nothing you can do about that. There's no amount of nagging, picking, etc., that is going to lead the addict to recovery. Like, literally no amount. So, and I even wrote down from the book, okay, a few key things about dealing with an addict. Nagging or trying to control is saying you have no faith in their decisions, independence, and ability to run their own life. Saying you statements increases shame. Say what you mean, so you should still say what you mean to them. Mean what you say, but don't be mean. That's the number one. So say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't be mean. Use I statements. Be kind, even when you're setting firm boundaries. I would not say Kyle does any of that so far. 
You also have to think about, this is the other thing that they say you need to consider. Do you want to say something to the addict because it will chastise them? Or is that how you honestly feel? That's a question you're supposed to ask yourself before you say something. You're supposed to also speak honestly with no ulterior motive. It should only be to share feelings. So example of something you could say, I care about you and I'm wondering how your recovery is going. Okay. So avoid uh, another thing they say, avoid idle threats that are punitive and not helpful. Ask yourself, am I enabling or encouraging recovery? Um, remember, you don't have to show up to every battle there is. You can overlook small things and address just the larger core issues. That Kyle really struggles with number four. Um, you should have a dry household during early recovery. Be a sober example. Again, like Kyle's, you know, invites Kim to parties and to social things, etc. Again, a lot of it's because of the show. And, and Kyle doesn't have to be sober and quit drinking and not have fun in her life. Um, but I can see how, like, the Beverly Hills social scene is maybe hard for Kim, a struggling alcoholic, which is maybe why she's more into the family and not, like, the situations with friends where they're going to Vegas and they're doing, like, you know, that's going to be maybe not good for Kim. Encourage recovery. Simply send a list of meanings, contact info, Again, it's up to the addict to make their own network and recovery support, but let them know help is available. Okay, next tip that they have, and this was like in caps, do not nag. <laughs> oh, God, I would say that that is like, I mean, that is Kyle's MO, and it certainly was Sheena's too. Like, Jesus, God, okay. Oh, okay. You cannot control. That's the other reminder they have for family of addicts. You cannot control. You have no control over them. They are their own independent human. There is nothing you can do. Okay. Only have talks about recovery when they're sober. Okay. That makes sense. Why would you, you know, you're not going to talk to someone who's inebriated. Um, and then they talk about how the 12 steps are the backbone of recovery, but there are other options. Um, okay, what was the other thing? Okay, detachment is neither kind nor unkind. It's a way for the addict's family may need to detach a bit because it's a way for them to exist and still be happy and exist independently. Um, and they say like, you know, you don't have to experience the pain of addiction without having any control of it. So some sayings that they say to keep in mind, I'm sure you can handle this on your own. That's too bad when something goes wrong. Oh, when you hear something you don't believe. Respect them enough to let them live their life and you live yours. It does feel like loss and failure, but is recognizing that their struggles are not yours because you you can't live their life again i don't know if kyle has heard this before but i think it would be very helpful for her um the other thing they say as a family member or when a uh, loved one of an addict you have to let go of control judgment expectations 
I, I, I mean, Kyle may have done that in recent years. It seems like maybe she has when it comes to Kim. At this point in their relationship, no. And I think she did this. She tried to control Judge and have expectations for a really long time. And I think that's a lot of the reason for the fracture in the relationship. And again, like the average person doesn't know all this. Like I didn't know all this until the last like year of my life. Because I just had no reason to look into it, right? So like I'm not like I can understand you know, a family member's an addict and then you're, you're just lost. You don't know what to do and you're so frustrated. But I also feel like, you know, at this point when the show started, like Kim had already been dealing with addiction for a really long time. And I still just, I don't know if Kyle's like has tried to look into it and tried to really educate herself. I mean, I hope she has and that I'm wrong. Um, it also says the more you try to control, the more stress and the mistaken belief that you're the only one who can help them appears. So that's a big one because Kyle is constantly in her confessionals talking about how my mom said that I have to take care of Kim. I have to make sure Kim is okay take care of Kim and her kids. So Kyle really does have this viewpoint that she is the only one who can help Kim. And she, and it says control is a way to escape anxiety. So yeah, Kyle tries to control things because she's anxious. Like despite everything, she loves Kim and she's anxious about Kim's addiction and she wants to help her. But she's under this mistaken belief that she's the one who's going to help Kim she can control her life and addiction, but that just brings unhappiness and makes everything worse. Um, I'm just trying to, there's, there's a, a lot more tips here. I don't want to go through all of them. Uh, a couple though that I will last ones, see a fellow human being that is trying to cope with life. That's one of the reminders. Um, do not expect that they will act or won't act in a particular way. I mean, I'm my God, like Kyle has very, Kyle has high expectations for herself about how she's going to act, especially in front of her rich friends. And I think that makes a lot of the issues. Even with Kathy, like Kathy's not an addict, but she has high expectations of Kathy and how she's going to act in front of her friends in Aspen. Um, let go of expecting that people will live up to our standards. I mean, yeah, set boundaries. Um, okay. practice forgiveness for them and yourself. Okay. There's more, but I mean, I, a lot of them are, you know, we've already, I've already kind of talked about in terms of like the, how Kyle handles this, but this has always been one of my issues on the show. And I think it's been a lot of people's issues is the way that Kyle has handled addiction. Um, and this really speaks to the finale when she outs her of just how shamey that is. Like, it's like one of the main things is to avoid malicious shaming statements. So to do that on camera, and and it's not in a supportive way, as we all know, is probably was just the worst decision of Kyle's life when it comes to her and her sisters. So again, anyways, I digress. We'll get into that later. Um, okay, so 
So where was I got really off on a tangent there. Okay, so Kim finds a house. Yes. Um, she's late for Portia's birthday, um, but says she couldn't have come early to help because she was moving. And Kyle's mad about this, um, you know, and says, well, she told me she was moving, says she wishes she told her she was moving ahead of time. Kim says she did. So again, just like petty sister stuff. But it's again, it seems like Kyle is so wrapped up in like knowing where Kim is, etc. If she said she was going to come and help her, she should have. But again, your sister's an addict. Maybe you need to change your expectations a little bit. Just saying. Okay. Kim says her and Kyle are different. Um, so this is in episode five. This is the next episode. So Kim, I just, this is the only thing I wrote down from that episode, but I thought it was interesting. She says Kyle has to have a lot of friends and Kim chooses her friends carefully. So again, this kind of goes back to like what I was saying before. I really think that like Kyle cares about being like cool and with the popular girls, which again, like a lot of us do. I can't even like, that's a human thing. Kim doesn't. They are just different people inherently in that way. Um, so season six, uh, season six, episode six, Kim will not admit that Kyle, uh, didn't make the comment about Kelsey not going to Hawaii. So if you remember, one of the biggest conflicts season one um, is that basically Kyle, Camille accuses Kyle of saying like, oh, why would they want to go with you if Kelsey's not there? Or why would they want to film you if Kelsey's not there? And Kyle is like, I did not say that. And we don't know because it's not on camera. Spoiler alert, I believe Camille. Um, so it gets back to Camille and Camille's pissed. And they have this whole conversation. Um, and, you know, we all famously know the like, you're such a fucking liar, Camille. Right? So, however, Kim, who uh, allegedly was there or heard some of this, she will not say that Kyle didn't make the comment. I think it's because Kyle made the comment. But anyways, listen... I remember this was like a big controversy during the season, but then when you get to season two and Brandy comes in and you see the way that Kyle, how jealous and petty and mean girlish Kyle is with Brandy in season two, I can fully, like, I actually believed Kyle at first. I was like, she was probably just like, oh, Kelsey's not going. Like what, you know what I mean? Like I believed it was an innocent comment, but then when I saw season two, I was like, no, that wasn't. Kyle is such a shit talker. Even in House of Hilton, they talk about how these girls are such a group of, like, her and her sisters just love talking shit about people. She was talking shit. She was probably, like, she knew that Camille was only on this show because she's married to Kelsey Grammer. And that's how she got on. And she knew that she was probably like, yeah, why would they want to film, like, why would they want to film Camille with her kids, like, without Kelsey there? Like, they probably, you know what I mean? Like, she was probably a little jealous. Because Camille's, like, got way more money and a higher status. And I don't, I could just see that. I could totally see her talking shit. So that's the root of a lot of their issues this season is because Kyle is like, well, Kim won't. But I think, I do really think that Kim, it's not because Kim just wants to throw Kyle under the bus. I think Kim gets so nervous with these, like, friendship dynamics and not knowing how to handle it. Um, But Kim should have... I still think Kim should have stood up for her because she does expect that from Kyle. So, you know, if you were there and you were talking shit too, 
you know, just like lie for your sister. It's your sister. So I can understand why Kyle was annoyed about that. Um, so I'm skipping a little bit ahead. So in episode, oh, I'm all out of order here. Okay. So episode eight, Kim is annoyed because LVP and Kyle are all over her for not thanking Martin for driving her home. So they set, remember they set Kim up with this guy, Martin, and I guess he drove her home. She doesn't thank him. And they're all like, why didn't you say thank you? Did it like, uh, guys, I mean, she should have said thank you, but like, calm down. Um, Kyle asks if she likes Martin. Kim says yes, but she doesn't want to call him. She says the man should call the woman. Kyle says Kim makes everything difficult and this is why she's alone. See, like, those are the kind of comments that it are going to trigger Kim and make her feel like, okay, my sister really thinks I'm a fucking idiot that I make everything difficult and that I'm a burden to everyone. Like, that's probably the message Kim is getting. Um, So Kim says, and when you say you make everything difficult, like, that is, like, that's a mean thing to say. Kim says she doesn't like to put pressure on stuff. It makes her uncomfortable. So again, like, Kim... Kim is not as comfortable socially as Kyle is. Like, I think social stuff comes easy to Kyle. For Kim, it's like, it's, you know, a skill that she just doesn't have. Um, So at the dinner party from hell, <laughs> Kyle says that Faye is like a sister on their way. And I just clocked this because Kim looks so annoyed. And again, I think that is a big point of contention. Because it came out that, like, Kyle, or that Kathy was mad when Kyle stood up for, like, I guess Kathy was being, like, a brat to the producers on Beverly Hills. And Kyle said something about, like, these are, like, my family. And apparently Kathy freaked out. I think <clears throat> Kim and Kathy are very, like, sacred about that term. Whereas Kyle's not. And... I think Kyle lets people from the outside world in and Kim and Kathy are of the opinion that you should not let anyone penetrate that. I think it's because they're older. So, you know, at the end of the day, Kyle was not, did not spend as much time with their mother because she's the youngest. So there's that. I think by the time Kyle came, there was you know, like happens with a lot of younger children, people are so caught up with what the older kids are doing, you know, including like being teenagers, causing issues, etc., that the youngest kid can sometimes kind of like fall in the background a little bit. Doesn't mean they're not taking care of necessarily. It just means like they get a little bit more leniency. They're just doing whatever. <laughs> and like no one's paying attention. I certainly experienced that. Um, so it's like, you know, just do whatever. So she's probably a little bit more like different from the two sisters. I don't think she's as like, I don't think she's as, in some ways she's definitely influenced by the teachings of her mother, but I don't think she's as strict to them as the older sisters are. Like Kathy's the most strict to them. I think Kathy is like, I think Kathy is like, just like big Kathy. She's like the reincarnated big Kathy. I think Kim is like, the what's it called is it Stockholm syndrome Kim is like the Stockholm syndrome like the one who was like used and abused and that was the only way she could get love was from like being successful in acting 
But since Kim has like the Stockholm syndrome, she really still buys into it, even though it's like really not good for her. And then Kyle's the most like just she's still influenced because she like loved and thought the way her mom did things was okay. But she sees it more than her sisters, I think. So she's more willing to break away. So then, okay. Sorry if my mic makes a weird noise. Whenever I hit it, it makes like this terrible noise. And sometimes I do because I have to reach over to my laptop to scroll on my notes. I try not to, but... Okay, so let's get to the finale of season one. Um, all right, where are we? Oh, wait, did I skip an episode? No, I think I'm good. So I didn't go through every single episode because not all of them had like something significant. I watched them, but... Um, so in the finale, Kim gets her makeup done because she doesn't know how to do it. She tells us that she worked every single day of her childhood. She said, Kyle and Kathy worked too, but not like me. She didn't get to go to school. She didn't get to make friends at school and do school stuff. And Kyle did. She makes a point of saying that. Which, again, that's what I've been saying. Like, Kyle Kyle loves to talk about how much she worked as a kid. Da, da, da. And she's like, I worked too. I was successful too. Yes, no one is saying that you're not. Well, some people might be, but... I'm not saying that she, I think Kyle was a successful child actor to, you know, as far as like, like landing acting roles is not easy. So they were both successful. But again, clearly Kyle did not work like Kim did. I think we all know that as a child. And clearly Kyle, you know, social stuff comes easier to Kyle. I also think that Kyle's work didn't include the traumas that Kim's included, like her co-stars committing suicide and things like that, and sexual abuse that I suspect but have no evidence of. Again, that's just my suspicions. Um, Kim, so then Kim and Taylor get into it at this finale party. So basically, what they get into it about is not important. What's important is the dynamic. So LVP, Kyle, and uh, Adrian come over. And really, the scene is so interesting because, and if you go back to the finale and watch it, the body language. It's like Kyle and all her friends, LVP, Adrian, and Taylor, are all, the four of them standing together, all facing Kim. And Kim is standing facing them alone. There's no one standing next to Kim. Like the body language and the body language matters. They're all facing her. She's on her own. I can totally see how she feels ganged up on. She's also drunk. And if I knew my sister or loved one was inebriated, it is so clear she is. Like, again, one of the rules, don't try to argue about shit when you know the addict is using, is drunk. So again, I'd like to say maybe Kyle doesn't know. The other women might not think of it in the same way. But basically, they're all drunk. Kyle's standing in the line with the other women, and they're all, like, coming after Kim. Adrian is the only one who steps up and tries to defuse the situation for Kim. I actually find Adrian to be the only one who's sensitive to Kim's addiction. Other, the rest of them all show moments of saying the right thing. 
uh, throughout the seasons, Adrian is consistently like, doesn't say anything, doesn't throw Kim under the bus, is like kind, is never mean. Her husband has a couple moments where he says, you know, like with the plane where Kim is late for the plane where he says, you know, she sounds inebriated, whatever. However, overall, Adrian and her husband, um, the guy who ended up on Botched, I can't, his name's escaping me right now, but they are, they seem to me more protective of Kim and like just, I don't know, they seem compassionate, like they feel for her. And granted, she's not in their family. They don't have to deal with it every single day, right? But still, Kyle could kind of take a page out of Adrian's book in this case. Like, Adrian's the only one to finally, like, kind of walk over to Kim and be like, okay, you know? So then we get the limo. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that because it's, it's Jesus's birthday, as Melissa Gorga would say. Happy birthday, Jesus. Okay. So we're in the limo. Um, here are some things that Kyle says. It bothers me just to read them. I think they're so bad. Like, people get really stuck on the, you're sick and you're an alcoholic. But there are way worse things that she says. Case in point. And these are direct quotes. I am not adding anything or changing anything. Mom had to die worrying about you and stressing about you. Wow. Like, fuck you, Kyle. I'm sorry. If you don't think that Kyle's an asshole, I can't believe she says that to her sister who's an addict about their mom who dies. Like, she's not blaming her for her mom's death, but there's an implication. There's always an implication, like, because a lot of people like to equate, like, cancer with stress. Like, you get so stressed, you know, like Lisa ran, I might get cancer and die. Like, there is an implication. And, like, mom couldn't have a peaceful death because of you. Like, what a disgusting thing to say. And then she says, after everything that I've done for you, I'm always there for you. Okay, so here comes the guilt trip. So the first two comments are very guilt trippy. Okay? You should feel bad because mom died and she was stressed about you. Look what you did. They're very accusatory, judgmental, blamey, no acknowledgement of alcoholism or addiction as a disease, etc. That doesn't mean that everything the addict does is excused. Okay? If the addict does bad things because of addiction, they don't get excused for that. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? They still have to take ownership and accountability. That's why apologizing to people is part of the recovery. However, to put that on her... The mom is already gone. She's dead. Okay. Saying that does nothing for anyone. All it does is breed negativity. And all it does is breed shame, which will lead Kim to use more. I'm not blaming Kyle. It's Kim's decision to use more. But shame is, is they say, a big reason that users keep going. It's like a vicious cycle. You feel ashamed. You use to escape the shame. You come out of it, you feel bad again, and so on and so on. Then we have the you stole my goddamn house. <laughs> Which I'm going to get into this on a later episode because, you know, after looking into it, 
did Kim steal, did Kyle steal the house? She did not steal the house legally. Um, so Kyle has the right to be mad about that. However, after what she just said about mom had to die worrying about you and stressing about you, pff, that's, you stole my goddamn house to me. That's nothing. Um, okay. So then Kyle retorts, you are so sick. My husband has helped you. You're like a second fucking wife. You are a liar and second an alcoholic or and sick and an alcoholic. I couldn't figure out which was it was. Is it sick and an alcoholic? Either way. Yes, that's right. I said it. And now everybody knows you are so demented. Okay. So you're a burden because my husband has to take care of you. So you're a failure in life. You can't take care of yourself. You're a liar. Okay. Um, you're an alcoholic, which shouldn't be something that, you know, people should be ashamed of. Unfortunately, addiction has a big stigma around it. It's the one mental illness that our society has not made much progress on. Um, you know, there was a time where people would be like, you're a crazy person. You should go in the loony bin and make jokes like that when people were, you know, had schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, right? We've become more sensitive and people have become educated about mental health. For some reason, addiction, it's getting better, but people have a very, a big lack of understanding. Like people are still very like, blame the addict. They're just a pathetic loser that can't get their shit together. Instead of recognizing the science behind it, that it is a, a problem in the brain, like, you know, that it is part of mental illness. And again, it's easy to do that because addicts do a lot of fucked up things. They commit crimes. They can hurt people. They can get violent, right? Not all of them, but some can, right? So that's why they don't get as much maybe leniency or forgiveness. Um, however, I don't see anything from Kim that is like, yes, Kim probably has made some really bad choices, but it's not like she's an abusive, you know, beating people up or like, I don't know. Like her worst crime was like she stole something from a store. I'm, oh, whatever. People do that sober. Anyways. <laughs> so, I mean, I can see why it took Kim so long to get over this fight, right? Like, this is a big fight. I can just, it's huge. Okay, so let's talk about the reunion. So Andy asks Kim, basically, oh wait, is it Kim? Yeah. So why she didn't get involved with the like Camille versus Kyle incident. So this is the reunion where Kim is not fully admitting to her problems yet. She's still a little like in, you know, in the denial phase. Um, Kim says, these are all Kyle's friends. And I've always had my sister's back. So basically, she says if she got involved, they would make up and then she would be the one left out and no one would talk to her. And then Andy even goes, aww. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Kim is right, though. She's 100% right. These are Kyle's friends. So she goes against one of them for Kyle. She knows Kyle is going to make up with them. 
And she's going to be even more of an outsider because she doesn't know how to, and she doesn't say this, but she doesn't know how to navigate those friendship dynamics. So I can see why Kim was like, I'm just going to say nothing or just like try not to get involved. Again, I still understand why that made Kyle mad because she needed her sister to back her up. Um, but yeah, I can also see why Kim didn't. Like, I don't think it came from a place of like, let me not back my sister up. Fuck her. I don't think it came from that place. I think it came from Kim's insecurity about her own, about the fact that she feels like she's the outsider in the group. This is Kyle's show with her friends and the producers wanted a sister and Kim is like this like random extra. Sorry, I think I hit my mic again. So Andy says that he sees Kyle as the dominant one in their relationship. They all agree. <laughs> I think we all agree with that. Um, Camille says, you know, Kyle's tough on Kim. And she says she was a bully during the season. Now, Kyle basically nods and agrees. Um, so yeah, that's why I still believe that Kyle probably did say that thing about Camille because Kyle is kind like she is kind of a mean girl bully um she does it to her sister and she does it to others as needed um Kyle also says Kim is no pushover it's not one-sided and gives Kim a look and says right which is full of meaning it's like a deep stare and then a moment goes by and then Kim agrees so they definitely have this unspoken communication here it very much reminded me of Kathy saying Kyle, Kyle, in that scene with Lisa Rinna. It was the exact same look. So it's like, it's almost like their way of saying like, don't do this or you're going to be sorry. Kathy did it to Kyle. Kyle does it to Kim. So Kim does have to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not a pushover. Because, like, you know that you know they probably talked ahead of time. Like, we both have to take some responsibility. Kyle says, I'm strong. My mom was strong. And Kim says, you're a lot like mom. And then Kyle starts to cry, and so does Kim. Kyle says maybe she takes her tough love too far sometimes, and they both really start crying. So it seems like Kyle, like, again, it seemed, like I said, like, Kim was well-trained by her mom, like I said earlier, but do I think that she's just like Big Kathy? I don't think she is. I think she's the Stockholm Syndrome one. She's more like just like well-trained by her mom and kind of victim of her mom, whereas Kyle and Kathy both inherently became more like the mom, not like victims and addicts, but more just like a new version of her. Um, so again, I think that's why they start crying because Kyle knows that Kyle knows because Kyle's the youngest as well. Like I said, because she in some ways was less influenced was, is like her mom, but I think just, that's just nature, not nurture. But because maybe she had less time with her, she does like Kyle can recognize that that maybe isn't always a good thing. And, you know, and she says she takes tough love too far sometimes, and then they both really start crying. Kim says she feels like Kyle is too hard on her. She's very sensitive, and she loves Kyle. She doesn't want to fight with her. Um, 
Andy asks Kim, like, why do you think she's hard on you? Is there a reason? And Kim just says, you know, we're sisters and we've been through a lot. So again, it's like that family thing. They won't say a lot of stuff. They just give these like vague answers. Um, Kim says Kyle puts her down a lot and then they do some flashbacks. And that's, you know, when, um, you know, Kim says like when Kyle was young, she was like a baby and now it's kind of switched. And I do think that this is the season where Kyle realizes how she came off towards Kim. Like, because she does come off so controlling and naggy and all that kind of stuff. So I do think that she course corrected a little on season two. Um, you know, they say that after the limo ride, they're trying to work it out, but they didn't speak for a while. Andy asks Kim and Kyle questions about the limo ride now. Kim refuses to answer, and she just keeps saying that they want to move forward, and she doesn't want to talk about that night at all, which makes sense because Kim probably doesn't want, is not ready to admit she's an alcoholic, especially on national TV. And she's obviously very hurt by all the stuff that was said, you know, in the limo. I don't know why it took me so long to get that sentence out. I'm sorry. Um, so Kyle breaks down crying, says she doesn't want to do this, switches seats to go sit next to Kim, says she would do anything to take back that night. Of course she would. Of course. She was a complete asshole. Um, they hold hands and they cry. Andy asks, you know, what made you snap to Kyle? Kyle says, quote unquote, private things. So again, it, uh, this is why these, these sisters are so intriguing. They do this. Private things. Kim, I don't want to talk about it. We're moving forward. Of course, like this is their first season. And as time went on, we were all the audience and everyone was on them. And, and, and stuff just, as much as they try to hide, stuff just comes out, right? Um, but I mean, Kyle's still playing this game. This exact game. She's just playing it now with Mauricio and her divorce. Um, Andy asks if Kim regrets her past of, you know, being an act a child actor to support the family. She says no. And Kyle jumps in and says, you know, basically Kim saying she took care of the family wasn't fully true. Their dad was successful. He bought their house and she acted too. So again, like she's kind of downplaying Kim's childhood experience and trauma because Kim is trying to say like, it was really hard for me to be a little kid and have all this pressure on me. And I also didn't get to have a normal life. And Kyle's downplaying it. Right. And by saying that, like by saying like, oh, I acted too. It's kind of like, yeah, I was a kid actress too. And I turned out fine. Like, why can't you get your shit together? Like, that's the message. Okay. I will die on that hill. That's the message. Andy asks about the alcoholic comment. Kyle says she doesn't want to talk about it. So this is before they are being all like open about it. Andy asks Kim if she has a drinking problem and she says no. And I don't want to talk about that night at all in a very stern way. This is like that little big Kathy that's inside of Kim does rear its head. And Kyle, meanwhile, is just stares down at her lap. Like can't even look up at Andy. <laughs> so again... Obviously, we know after season two where she dates that, that 
really creepy, weird guy, Kim. Um, and she's like just so clearly fucked up on camera. Like we obviously it all comes out and she admits to being an alcoholic. But at this point, she's just not ready for that yet. It's also their first season. They didn't know how they it was going to be received or they were going to be received. So, you know, it's funny because Kyle really course corrects season two. Um, meanwhile, Kim spirals in a negative direction, right? So this is the advantage that Kyle has is that she's sober, she's self-aware, she's able to be like, okay, people thought I was too mean to Kim, so I'm going to not be as much next season. I'm going to not try not to nag, at least on camera as much. Whereas Kim is so ashamed of the accusation in the limo because Kim is truly ashamed of being an addict and that her sister told her, you know, mom died stressing about you, that Kim is just like, I don't know. Kim cannot handle it. Like, I think Kim just spirals further into drugs and alcohol. I know she's never admitted to being a drug addict. I suspect. That's all I'm saying. I suspect. So, (laughs) I just think that probably there's, you know... There was something else there just based on the way she was acting and some of there was like some scenes in season two where there's clues about it. Again, it doesn't really matter. The point is she has an addiction. What the substance is is not that important, actually. Um, so, yeah. So on my next episode, actually, I'm going to be going into season two um and hopefully three I'm gonna try to fit more than one into each episode so they're not like so crazy long um I do want to do an episode about Paris and love and talking about Kathy Hilton but my notes are like a lot longer than I thought so I thought I could kind of mold it in or blend it in with this episode but I think it needs its own thing now I'm already done it so I might just release it as like its own episode, um, like a break from going through Beverly Hills and just talking about how Kathy is on Paris and Love because it's very interesting on its own, which will kind of make these Richard sisters like less in chronological order, which bothers me because like my OCD side is kind of like, "Mm." however, I think I want to do Paris and Love because it's on now and I also don't want to start covering it now because I think they added new episodes. So I did like the whole second season. I've watched the first season. I don't have notes on it, but I can just speak to it from when I watched it. Um, But I feel like even they added new episodes of Paris and Love. Hang on. Let's check right now, guys. Why not? Um, And I think Paris and Love, I could just speak about like the kind of, I don't know. Oh, no, maybe they didn't. Okay. So is it just eight episodes? Is that all it is? Like, I just felt like the last episode wasn't because the season, the first season was 13 episodes. I just felt like the finale didn't feel like a finale. Like, are there more that are going to come out? Either way, it's going to have its own episodes. How many episodes is... Paris in Love, season two. Okay, I'm not the only one who Googled this. Okay, it's only eight. All right. 
Um, it consists of eight episodes, five less than season one. Oh, it says weekly releases concluding on February 1st, 2024. Well, that doesn't make sense because there's already eight episodes out. So I don't know what they're talking about. All right. Well, I'm going to record that one separately and release it after the holidays because it's Christmas Eve and I am an hour and a half into this now. <laughs> um... I will release it early for Patreon users, my Paris and Love episode, and for everyone else, you'll get it a day or a couple days later. Um, so I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, a safe holiday, safe and healthy. If you don't celebrate Christmas, then just happy holidays in general. I hope everyone is getting a break. We all need a much like, we just need some time to relax. I just know. The vibes are there. The world is just stressed. There's so much going on. You know, there's so many scary, bad things happening. I hope that this can sort of just take your mind off of it and allow you to escape. And I hope, you know, maybe this some of you are escaping from family right now and listening to this so that you can get away for a bit. I know I'll be doing that with uh, with some other podcasts this week for sure. All right, everyone. Enjoy your holidays. Until next time, keep overanalyzing Bravo. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend or a hundred friends, whatever you want. You can follow me on Instagram at the Bravo Papers or for my Twitter roundups, follow at Bravo and Botox. If you'd like to support me, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash Bravo and Botox for some much needed caffeine support. And until next time, keep overanalyzing Bravo.